For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Our world doesn't believe Romans 7 at all, right? Paul confesses there's nothing good in him, which is the exact opposite of a phrase that I just hear ad nauseum out, out and about in the world. You know, this phrase, I'm a good person. I mean, how many of you have heard that in the last week? <laughs> a few. Okay, um, right, it is often along with phrases like, you know, how could this happen to me? I'm a good person. Uh, or, you know, you know yeah, they're, yeah, they're a good person. Or, well, you know, they're not a believer, but they're a good person. Right? This, this phrase, good person, it's just floating around like in the ether of our culture. Um, and it does, in fact, sit uh, in diametric opposition to Romans 7. You could actually take this passage that Lincoln read so well um, and flip it around, and it sounds like the kind of things people say today. Right? You know, Paul says, you know, I know that I'm of the flesh, I'm not spiritual. And what do people say today? You know, I'm spiritual, but not religious. <laughs> you know, Paul says, my flesh is constantly leading me away into things. And we say, no, no, you know, tr- follow your body, you know, trust, trust your gut. The world, uh, when it comes to sort of questions of trying to be good, to be a good citizen, a good husband, a good friend, whatever, any area of virtue, in general, sort of the spirit of our age says, um, you know, you have it within you. You know, look deep within. Just try harder, right? You know, strive to be virtuous. On the contrary, the scriptures and the Bible-believing Christians says the opposite, right? You don't have it within you to do the right thing. Striving harder will not actually attain the ends that you want, right? That's what Paul says. He says it like three different ways. Like, the thing I want to do, for some reason I'm not doing that. <laughs> the thing I don't want to do, I keep finding myself, you know, elbow deep in that thing that I wish that I didn't. Similarly, the world sort of says, you know, there's this kind of idea that we're, we're you know, we're rational beings, we're enlightened. You know, we choose what we want to do, and especially when it comes to like, you know, doing good and evil, like, we even sort of make a weird pride out of, we choose our sins, you know, we, we get to like control them. Paul is, the Holy Spirit through St. Paul is giving us a very different idea, right? The world would say we're just generally free and sort of free to choose in any given moment. Paul, the scripture says, um, no, I, I'm slave to whatever I serve. Like it's not a question of freedom. I, I'm just going to be a slave. The question just is who's the master? Is it the spirit or the flesh? that we are not actually as free as we like to think. The other sort of great lie um, sort of which stands in opposition to Romans 7 of our day is that um, if we just know the right things in our minds, we'll do the right thing. Right? It's kind of the deep mistake of our sort of enlightenment, educated culture. Because, of course, we see all the time, right, not only in others but perhaps in ourselves, knowing the right thing and then not doing it. That apparently knowledge is not enough. I actually don't like when people say, you know, when you're kind of talking about something you're processing and someone says, well, you know, knowing is half the battle. Like, no, knowing is like 5% of the battle. It's like the teeniest little bit. You know, a sanctified will, that, that's the real battle. The scriptures, as Paul clearly says, knowledge alone is not leading him to do the right thing, either before God or, or before others, just generally to be, as it were, a good, a good person. 
So do you see how kind of these two things stand in stark contrast? Well, Paul, how Paul is speaking in Romans 7. And would you agree that I'm kind of characterizing the spirit of the age rightly? I mean, does that kind of sound like how people speak to you? Yeah? Okay, good. Um, at the root of both of these things, the root of the spirit of our age is pride. Right? It's sort of, in a way, the first sin of Lucifer and Adam to sort of say, like, yeah, I'm, I'm good, I'm free, I can make my own decisions, I, I'm in charge of my own moral life. And at the root of the Christian way, which Paul is inviting us to take on with our own lips in Romans 7, um, is humility. That says, no, I, I can't do this on my own, apparently. You know, that confession, as, as I said, verse 18, um, nothing good dwells in me. It's like it's humility and pride at the very root of both of these things. And when I'm speaking of the spirit of the age, I'm of course describing the world out there, like as it sits, but I'm also describing the world in here, right? That this sort of spirit of I'm a good person has crept into the church. I've heard it on the lips of Christians, not in this parish, um, but in other ch- around, around the country, that this sort of spirit, this belief that generally I'm a good person, that idea has really crept its way in. Um, and I want to sort of hold up Romans 7 to come against it this morning um, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because it's just dishonest, right? The only way the world, the spirit of our age, even to ourselves, that we could say, I'm a good person, is if we look at our desires alone. Like, oh yeah, generally I want the right thing. Now, hopefully that's at least true. <laughs> um, it's not always in my life, and, I, and perhaps yours too, but... If we look just in the realm of desire, generally, before any sort of encounter with anything, I want to do the right thing. And if I looked at only that, well, maybe I could trick myself into thinking I'm a good person. But the Bible invites us into realism to look not just at what we desire, but what are the fruits of that desire? What are the actions that come out? And taking in the whole picture, and this is what Paul is doing, saying, well, yeah, sure, my desires might be mostly right, but when it comes to action, when it comes to the moment where I'm actually put in a corner and it's going to cost me something, I, I do the wrong thing. The Bible is actually inviting us to be more honest about ourselves and our condition. So as well as just sort of a, a matter of honesty, um, the other reason I think we should sort of allow Romans 7 to be a sword to kind of cut down the spirit of our age um, is because embedded within the spirit of our age, because pride is at the root of it, pride that would say, I am good, there is good in me, um, it's actually always the case that when there's pride in a human heart, there is also some secret sin, at least one, if not many, that is uh, constantly being tumbled into. Pride, as uh, proverbially right, rightly, pride comes before the fall, that when your whole worldview is oriented around yeah, I'm basically good, I'm good, they're good. There is certainly pride in that, and when there's pride in it, it's a, a given. The Lord actually mysteriously permits other sins because he wants actually to expose our pride at the bottom of it all. Um, let, let me just describe this and tell me if this shoe fits. Um, I won't ask for a raising of hands, but how many of you have ever sort of thought to yourself or, or even said, you know, I'm, I'm a good person? You know, I think even parts of our culture trip us up into this, the whole idea of New Year's resolutions. It's just an idea of, yeah, pull myself up by my own moral bootstraps. In as much as we are sort of, have taken in the spirit of the age, uh, I think there is often this, in this cycle of, in one particular area of sin, repent, try again, sin, repent, try again, sin, repent, try again. Uh, does that cycle sound familiar at all? You don't have to nod or raise your hands, but I... 
I assume it is for some of you, at least in part, that you could recognize that it cuts to the heart when Paul says in verse 19, I do not do the good I want to do. (laughs) I desire to be pure, and I'm not staying pure. The problem in this sort of cycle, the, the, the broken bit, sinning is part of fallen nature, repenting is what God calls us to do, the real broken bit is in the trying again. It's when we try and come against temptation, and we talked about this a bit in catechism class this morning, right? It's when we try again to sort of not sin, to do the right thing, if we're in any way relying on our own steam, sort of like, yeah, yeah, no, this time, you know, I've mostly got this, God, maybe even we're praying a little bit, like, God, if you just help me out just a little bit, I know I can overcome it this time. Um, this sort of general sense of, yeah, I, I got this, I, I can become good, sort of self-motivatedly so. As long as that's in there, it's just a guarantee. If I was a betting man, I don't gamble, but if I did, I'd guarantee you're going to fall again. Um, And the reason I feel so confident in saying this is because this is my story. I know this thing from the inside out. There's been years, more than decades in some cases, with a couple particular sins. That for so many years, it was just this endless cycle of sin, repent, try again, which becomes really discouraging, doesn't it? Like every sin you know you're offending God, and you just feel more and more hypocritical, repenting, like, hey, Lord, I repent, I don't want to do it again. Well, apparently I do, right? I mean, look at my actions. Like, repentance feels less sincere. Um, it, becomes a, it can become a very discouraging cycle to be stuck in. Um, the only thing which ended up in my life bringing some liberation from that sort of endlessly exhausting cycle of sin, repent, try again, was, as they say in uh, 12-step, right, hitting rock bottom. Was saying, no, no, I actually can now say with Paul, there is no good in me. I've tried every strategy, every moral, kind of push myself, like trying hard thing in the books, and I'm still stuck in this. Apparently, I am, as the scripture has been saying all along, a vile sinner. And only when I fully believe that, and actually said with Paul, Lord, there's no good in me. None. I can't do it. I'm not sort of some cup that's almost full that just needs a top off. I'm empty. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, you know, to come with an empty cup and say, Lord, i got nothing. There is no good in me. I need you to free me from this sin, to give me strength. If I'm going to have any virtue exercised in my life, any good thing, it's going to need to be you because I've given everything I've got and it's manifestly not enough. Um, and then it's in that moment that finally pride has been uncovered for what it is. And now for the rest of my life, I now know I am a proud man and a sinful man and if I give my best efforts as hard as I give it, it still ends up in sin. And so having had that exposed, it's now quite easy to say, oh yeah, no, I know there's nothing good in me. So if you hear that phrase, there's nothing good in you, and you're like, oh, I'm not sure, maybe you're still on this journey. But when, sort of after hitting rock bottom, to then inviting the Holy Spirit into my life, and this is, Romans 7 is a preface to Romans 8. I have a homework assignment for you. I don't often do this, but this afternoon, read Romans chapter 8. Because Romans 7 is revealing the dilemma we are all in, and Romans 8 is the answer. It says, right, there's no good in you, but you know what else is inside of you? Why Paul says, in my flesh? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. The person of Christ has come to indwell you through faith, through your baptism. That actually God himself is living within you. And as the Gospels say, right, God is good. 
God alone is good. And so when we confess with Paul, with the scriptures, there's nothing good in me, and we say, God, help me, then that cycle starts to be broken, but it's no longer by my own effort, which was fruitless. It's God working through me. That's what Paul says in all different ways throughout all his letters, but especially in Romans 8. You know, it's Christ in me. It's my life in the Spirit. There's like a dozen different ways you could say it. This is God actually coming in and doing good things through me. It's not me. The source of the goodness is not my heart. The source of this goodness is God. And finally then, this is what has been for me so liberating, to not be just stuck in these endlessly defeating cycles. Uh, And the thing that opened it up in the beginning and continues to this day is to confess truly. And we take words like this on our lips with the confession in the liturgy, right? But to confess with Paul, there's nothing good in me. That even when we've been on sort of like a winning streak, right? I mean, as, the, as it says, like, I mean, and again, if you've had anyone in the 12-step program, you know how this works. This sort of arrogance to think, yeah, you know, I'm really doing good. What's going to come next? Falling back into the same sins. The confession of there's nothing good in me, it never ends. It actually is a daily discipline of saying, Lord, I know that if I just kind of follow my own heart and do it on my own steam, I'll be neck deep in sin before the afternoon is here. But with your help, if you would help me, please save me, have mercy on me, have pity on me. Please glorify yourself in my life. Be my strength where I am weak. And then, then the victorious Christian life is ours. And, and that's what I really pray would be something you get to experience a more deeper drink of uh, in this Lenten time. Uh, is this sort of earnest confession. The reason we're kind of honing in on penitence and the Ten Commandments and this super intense confession of sin and Ash Wednesday and fasting, all these things, is so that we would actually be able to come to say, yeah, there is no good in me. God, I really need you to take words which we've heard our whole lives and actually say them out of our own hearts. God, save me. Be my strength. Be my song. Right? All the words the psalmist uses all the time. So that's my hope and my prayer for you, is that you would actually hit rock bottom when it comes to trying for virtue and fighting sin and confess your helplessness. To confess Romans 7.18, I know that nothing, nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. And then to read Romans 18 and start to live into that life more and more. And this is a work in progress, right? We're always sort of on this weird cycle of learning. We're such slow learners as humans that... It takes a while to kind of get into this deep habit of recognizing I can't do anything by myself. Because we start doing good and we start thinking, oh yeah, I'm, I'm doing it by myself. And it's like, no, no, that's been God working in you. And he actually does permit falls again in that instance. Till we learn that we are fully dependent on him. And I think what's really encouraging to me is that the one person for whom Romans 7 was not true, Jesus, right? The one person who did exactly what he wanted to do who was never led astray in sort of some push and pull of the flesh, the one person who really was perfect, still cast himself in a posture of total dependence on God the Father. Right? That's what we see in the Gospels. Like, I only say what I hear my Father saying. I only do what I see my Father doing. Like, spending hours and hours in prayer to discern the Father's will for him in his life. Like, he's the perfect man, and he's still in a posture of total dependence. So what an encouragement that is for us to sort of not presume to be more virtuous than the Son, dare I say it, right, of God, um, who himself was fully dependent on the Father for his life.
And then what's really cool is um, to see Jesus, the one who was the only one who did what he wanted to do, unlike us, who was fully dependent on the Father. What does he do with this sort of obedient, fully submissive will? He gives his life in love for others, for us. He suffers on a cross for us. He gave himself in a life of ministry and power, which continues to this day, right, as he sits at the right hand of the Father and will continue forever. So there's sort of a glimpse of the connection that humility and in our case with sin, confessing with Paul nothing good in us, um, is the doorway to the, the victorious, powerful, life-giving life that we long for as Christians. Amen.